All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? How do you get it? We'll deconstruct everything from motivation and mental health to anti-racism and addiction. Ultimately, the goal is to give you the tools and strategies that you need to live your most powerful life, being a force for good in the world and impacting the people around you in a positive way. Powerful is brought to you by me, your host, Jeff Kular. I help people change and build incredible teams. Welcome to the show. A realization that power without love is reckless and abusive and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship itself. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. Welcome to today's episode of Powerful. My name is Jeff Coulard, and I'm really excited about today's guest. I spent more than a decade, probably a dozen years, working with this woman at Enviro's Base Camp. We're going to continue our exploration of powerful communities, communities that are really intentional, teams of people that come together around a common challenge or a problem. That's what we talked about last week with Jessica Mills. If you haven't had a listen to that, I recommend you checking that one out. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the second essential ingredient of powerful communities, and that is the power of values and putting them into action. So, Every powerful community that I've ever met has a very concrete, um, robust set of values that have been articulated in a way that lend them towards action. They actually land in our practice, and no one is more adept. I've never met anyone who's better at this than Lisa Arsenault. She was a relief staff, and then a youth worker, and then a shift supervisor, and then the program supervisor, and finally the program manager of this program. And we started a a couple of weeks apart um, and had a very similar trajectory in our careers through Enviro's uh, base camp. And she was really one of the primary driving forces of building a coherent set of values and really driving them into our practice, both on the front line, direct, direct service provision with clients, and also with the staff team, which is probably a pretty unique thing to have values that are really clearly crystallized and aligned through an entire team of people. And you can see it reflected in the work they do with their clients, but also in the work that they do with each other and guided the work that us in leadership positions, how we thought about supporting and empowering our staff team. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation about values in action with Lisa Arsenault. Lisa, thanks for joining me. Thanks for uh, inviting me to be here. Yeah. So for those who don't know you, um, what what's your what was your involvement or what is your involvement with Enviro's Basecamp? That's the, the topic at hand. We're talking about building powerful and intentional communities. And Basecamp certainly is an example in my life that I think about when I think of that, when I think of a community of, of people that come together to solve a problem, share a, a similar set of values, and are really concerned about the impact that they're having in the world, that that place and that uh, that group of people uh, really resonates with, with that idea. And so maybe give the listener a little bit of a background on how you came to be Lisa from Basecamp. Sure. So my time with um, Enviro's, but mostly with Basecamp, is about 15 years. Um, as I said, most of that was with Basecamp. So I started my career at the program as a relief staff Um, with a very interesting beginning shift that I won't get into. (laughs) Let's just say everyone was surprised I came back, Um, which turned into a full-time frontline position 
which morphed into a shift supervisor position into program supervisor. And uh, the last position I held with the program was the manager. Um, oh, and so that was over the course of 15 years. The couple, Matt leaves in between there and a two-year hiatus to one of the other Enviros programs, but ultimately came back to Enviros because that's where my heart and my values land. Awesome. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you today about, actually, was values and values in practice and the congruence within a community between their values and their actions or their values and their behaviors. Because um, that strikes me as a really important ingredient mm-hmm. in, in communities. And I've seen lots of dysfunctional communities where the values and the behaviors aren't congruent with each other. And it causes a lot of tension and kind of chaos and stress amongst people. Um, and I know that it's it's not possible to be perfectly aligned all the time, but I want to talk to you about kind of the process of discovering values and then articulating them and then building I guess the container for community members to really hold those and and practice them um, and maybe we'll get into probably some specific examples because I think that that's probably the challenge that a lot of leaders and a lot of teams face is going from on the wall where it says client-centered to mm-hmm. in the case consultation meeting and actually centering the clients in the conversation um, as an example of a set of values so can you talk a little bit about the evolution of values um, from your perspective at Basecamp, knowing you were, you know, I think we started almost like a week apart or something. So we had a very mm-hmm. similar trajectory through through our experiences at Basecamp. But it wasn't yeah. always a, a very, like a, a congruent community. My perspective on how our values, it all comes together. Basecamp for a long time didn't have a, a vision or a set of those common values that were explicit. They were absolutely felt and people operated around them, um, but they weren't articulated. And I think it was at a time when we were experiencing a particular challenge with the staff team, we had a mass overturn of, of staff um, with few people who had been around from the beginning who have felt those, that felt sense of values. And it took, I think that that challenge or issue for us to bring new people in and say, there's, you know, there's something missing here. How do we get through this? What is the commonality? What are we working towards all these questions that were coming from new folks? Um, And so in consultation, you know, you and I were working together, um, the therapist at the time, it was, I think we came to a a point where we're like, yeah, let's have a conversation about what, what is it that we are, what are our values you know, what do we honor in this program? What do we want clients to feel um, when they leave this program? Um, and so we took, I think, a couple days at staff training to have that conversation and explicitly identify what are the values? What do we believe in this program? What do we want our young people to feel while they're here um, and, and ultimately walk away with? So we had that conversation. That can be a we did a really specific activity around that because values can be very loaded and people can get stuck in them for hours. You can, mm-hmm. you can argue why we value this over that. Uh, you know, it, it can actually be a, an anti-productive <laughs> process actually, because every person's individual values are important. Um, and so I think it takes a, a really specific activity to allow people to not sit in it for too long, to grab at those values that are common enough to all of us that are right at the forefront. Um, And so through that activity, 
we ended up creating a statement of values that identified for the program. Okay. As, as a staff team, these are the values that we, that we hold and that we want to behave around and that we want to be accountable to, and that we want our clients to, our young people to experience. And do you mind filling us in on what those value statements were? And then maybe we can take them one at a time and just kind of unpack them a little bit because I find myself thinking about them. You know, I've been out of the program now for a couple of years, um, but they still resonate with me and they still guide a lot of my practice and they're not your typical value statements. They're not just, you know, trust and respect and things that you might find in, uh, in, in a lot of values statements or brochures for programs. Yeah. What are they? What did the team come up with? We see whole people. We see whole people. What's that all about? Why is that important? And for context, for people that are kind of new to base camp, it, it at the time was an addictions treatment program, working with young people, 13 to 18 ish from across the province of Alberta and their families. Why why we see whole people? What's what does that reflect, or what is that? Why was that an important value? I think it became important because when we see a whole person, we see every facet of who they are. Um, we don't just see the problem. We don't just see the bright and shiny things either. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes those can cover up the problem, and we we need to be able to acknowledge all of those things in order to. Um, move through growth and healing. It it allows us to have an anchor for when we are discussing with somebody or as a staff team or around something to say because we are we are all human, so we are going to get focused on on the problem or pr- problem behavior. So um, that can be really easy, and we do need to talk about that. But we need something to pull us back to say, okay, yes, and what else about this person? Mm-hmm. What about their strengths? What other things can we draw? If that's the challenge, what what else can we draw on to either meet the need under that behavior or um, help this person see other parts of who they are? It's not to say one, one thing that I think is important to note that we would find ourselves tripping up as a staff team is that just because we say we see whole people also doesn't mean that we have boundaries around safety and issues in the program because sometimes we would get tripped up on that statement in saying, well, if we see whole people, then everybody is a fit. Or if we see whole people, then we can't turn anyone away, um, which can be dangerous in unsafe scenarios. So it's, it's a, a tricky statement that could get us caught up in our own values of wanting to see somebody as a whole person and not devalue them because of an issue or an unsafe thing. But also recognizing that, you know what, by actually having a container, we can see the whole person set some boundaries around that, which will allow us to see the whole person and other individuals in our community that we also have to honor. And so, you know, we'd have, we, it's just to remember that little piece because we could get tripped up on our own value around seeing a whole person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, most conflicts and tensions are just competing values and competing needs versus values. So a need for safety in the community and a value of seeing whole people that sets up a tension and a potential conflict point. Um, And I think that the default sometimes is to take the need for safety and center that to the exclusion of seeing whole people. And Mm -hmm. then, and like you say, problem focused or deficit focused view kind of takes over. Um, And so I think that the, you know, good communities that are good at this type of work are able to balance those tensions and able to sit in the grayness of that and make ethical decisions that are values focused, like still have 
so that the felt experience, I think when you, when you said the felt experience of our clients, that's our values. Like that's what we want people to experience. And we would often get that feedback that clients would feel like, you know, it's a shitty process, but at the end of the day, it was a good process or they were held in that process um, Mm -hmm. in a way that's maybe different than just being kicked out of a program or a school or having a relationship terminated on them by other professionals that they had experienced in the past. And so I think it's, you know, striving to live those values and striving to use them as a filter for decision-making that inherently kind of makes it a gray zone. And a lot of us sometimes strive for the black and white answers to things that that can be really challenging um, for communities to hold boundaries and to hold different expectations and all of those things. So, okay. So that's seeing whole people, which is really, I think in addiction and mental health, particularly important. I mean, people work in general, um, but it's really easy to get a very narrow, narrowed focus on, of a client. You know, we see them for their depression or their anxiety or insert your diagnosis or your label. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that value resonated with a lot of practitioners um, and continues to resonate with a lot of people because ultimately that's what we want to be doing, right? We want to be working with the whole person so that their strengths are at play just as much as their, their challenges and their deficits. Value number two. Value number two is that we believe in growth. I think that that became important for the team because we have young people coming in the program who are working on significant challenges and issues in their life. And a lot of young people haven't experienced a place where they can where they can grow, which is not always, I mean, I think that can be a bit of a catchphrase sometimes Mm -hmm. where it's like your like personal growth and, you know, because growth is not always uh, easy and it's not always pretty and it actually requires a lot of honesty, um, which in order for someone to want to do all of that and to engage in growth, you need to be surrounded by people in a community that can hold a space and container for you to do that. And I think holding that value high into as a staff team to say, you know, this is enough for us to want to put this as part of our statement is, I mean, that that is what kids are doing when they're coming in the program. And we have a responsibility as professionals working with them to create a place where they can come to that fully because it's even hard just to say yes to the program or yes to change and growth and then to actually dive into it is adding a whole other. Um, so I think it was important for us to say, like, we really value this place as um, a space that young people can not only say yes, but then like actually dive into it. Mm-hmm. I think it gives a little bit of an indication towards kind of the impact or the outcomes that the community was hoping to have. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes programs are about the alleviation of a symptom right? The absence of addiction is not necessarily the goal of addictions treatment, right? And so, which is why I think a lot of addictions treatment isn't moving the needle on addiction, right? And a lot of mental health treatment isn't moving the needle on mental health because just alleviating symptoms and getting people up to like a mediocre baseline, right? It's like, what's the point, right? Versus contain, you know, building a container in which growth is possible in which people- we're growing forever. Like, like the answer is not, Oh, now you are no, not, it's not that you are no longer addicted, but you know, you, it's a process. This is, this is a forever process. So, you know, even though, you know, we want you to experience a container where you can grow safely here, but enough that, you know, hopefully those values hold true that you can surround yourself then by people outside of this community that can also hold that space for you because, 
our work as people is like, it's never done. <laughs> never done. Never done. <laughs> I think there's also a piece around hope and hopefulness and hopelessness. Right? Yeah. To believe in growth means that we, we have hope that things can get better and that things can change and that, that growth is possible. Um, and so there's actually a lot of mindsets kind of mm-hmm. embedded in that pretty short statement. Believing in growth means that it's, it's possible, right? That everybody can grow. And it also gives direction as to what the community is there to do, right? Again, going back to that impact and those outcomes. Um, and we had to kind of wrestle with that. And you know, I've got a call lined up in a, in a week or two with, uh, with Liam, and we're going to dig into kind of feedback informed practice and outcomes and evaluation. And, mm-hmm. you know, are we actually doing the work that we say we're doing? You know, all of those big questions that we sometimes want to shy away from, but um, you can't have those conversations if you, ha- if you don't have these conversations about values and what we care about. Well, and people may or may not know who are listening, you know, base camp was a program on a continuous intake. So part of what you're speaking to where the impact is there is that, you know, someone is going to be further along in their program than somebody else. And so uh, maybe a young person who is more ambivalent and just unsure about change will be witnessing the impact of saying yes and diving into your growth and being surrounded by people who support the bumpy terrain of growth because it's not all shiny and pretty it's hard mm-hmm. and so if people can witness the growth as well who are not just engaging in it but can see you know really how that can be supported and and done you know so to speak um it it creates momentum and movement and magic you know so that's the the first two values we mm-hmm. see whole people and we believe in growth. Let's talk about the, the other two value statements. Uh, what's, what's number three? Number three is we invite healing. Yeah, I think that value statement is important because for the staff team and for the program, because it really is about an unspoken invitation. I mean, it is about inviting a client in a uh, young person in group or inviting them to engage in a conflict or actually articulating that invitation. And it's also for me about um, the unspoken invitation. Are we creating a space that is encouraging a young person to, to take an invitation to engage in a conflict? You know, it's taking a couple steps back before the actual verbal invitation. Um, Mm. Are, are we accountable to our values? Are we creating space that does encourage that invitation? I think is the essence of that. Let's dig into space a little bit. I got, I have two thoughts about this value statement. Um, The first is that invitation is really about choice and creating an opportunity for people Mm -hmm. to take ownership and make choices that are aligned with their, the things that are important to them. Right. And so oftentimes we'll say in our institutions, particularly that you have choice, right? You don't really have choice, right? You have mm-hmm. choice, but in a very limited scope or there's severe consequences if you make the wrong choice or whatever it happens to be. So there's that, that piece of it. Um, but the space piece is really interesting because we were, you know, blessed with a kind of a retreat space in the woods of a long winding dirt logging road uh, beside a lake with the mountains in the background. So there's something about the space that was very inviting of a different perspective or inviting of reflection and growth. Um, but then there's a lot of intention that went into creating the program and designing the program in a way that held space, you know, both in how groups might've been facilitated. I also think of spaces like the family room, which lots of hard conversations were had and there was comfortable couches and, you know, it wasn't a typical kind of therapist's office or, um, 
that type of thing. And so mm-hmm. um, let's talk a little bit more about space and how space can invite the outcome that we want, which is healing, right? So it's, mm-hmm. you know, how do we get to healing as well? We make it, we invite people into it. Um, but what are your thoughts about space or your reflections now on the space? Space is really, it's really important. Um, I think there are a few levels to it. There's absolutely the, the visual aesthetic space we think about when our house is messy, it doesn't feel good to be in. Um, when you walk into a doctor's office, is it, is it really clinical? That aesthetic piece does actually hold, and you, you know, Kelly Waters Radcliffe would have a lot to say about this. Um, maybe he's a guy to talk to about space, but there is that aesthetic, physical, what am I looking at? How does that feel to space? Um, and then there is, um, what would be the word around it? I mean, it's the, it's the people it's the values, it's the container, the invisible container that is held by people and values and the consistency of that. So it's not just, yeah, that these values are up on the wall. That's what we believe in. And we, we train our staff in that. It's, it's the, the really important part of that is the how, how that invisible container is held and, and kept consistent so that young people know what to expect in the program and, and same with the staff. Okay. Last set of values. We trust in community. And this one is really important. And I think loaded because of the word trust has a lot of different meaning for young people. They're often asked to just trust the adults around them, um, which we have all experience from engaging in relationship. Trust is not just about something that you automatically do. It's based on your experience with those people. And so that word itself is loaded. Um, It also means that as people who are running the program, for lack of a better word, and are in up power have absolutely the most responsibility to ensure that we are saying what we say we do. We value what we say we value we behave in in those ways um and when we aren't or there's not disalignment to those things that we are accountable and that it's okay to be accountable um as as the staff but also the young people because they are community members as well so for me that statement does speak to you know the program is as impactful as it is because of the values but also because of the people it's not just about the staff and the professionals that hold the container it's that young people are are doing the work and are engaging in that community as well um, which absolutely has impact on somebody two weeks into the program oh hey we're gonna take a quick little pause for a shout out to enviro's wilderness school somewhere lisa and i both spent a good chunk of our career working with youth at risk working with youth with addictions issues and their family and you should check them out www.enviros.org i know they've got a golf tournament coming up in canmore with the lovely jan arden so you should check that out if you happen to enjoy a round of golf um i also want to let you know that we had a little bit of a recording hiccup Lisa and I, when we had to switch to Zoom, and my audio for the rest of this interview is a little bit off. It's a little bit muffled, um, but she does most of the talking. So if you can put up with my audio being a little bit quieter for the next few minutes, there's some great nuggets in here about how to actually operationalize these values. If you're a leader, how to actually do 
values in practice in with your team. Yeah, there's like a, you know, ownership and accountability kind of go hand in hand. And so if we want people to take ownership of their growth and their healing, there has Mm -hmm. to be a level of accountability. And that's what communities are really for, Mm -hmm. right, is to hold each other accountable to a shared vision or a shared understanding or shared impact that we want to have. And so, you know, I am talking with, uh, with Liam in a couple in a week or two about kind of feedback informed practice, but that's really about ownership and accountability mm-hmm. is what we're talking about. And I think that, you know, trusting in community and, and the theme on this podcast has kind of evolved into individualism versus community. Mm-hmm. And so trusting in community is actually a bit of a radical act sometimes I think in this day and age where we live very hyper individualized lives, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to trust in community to get a lot of our needs met um, and to, kind of be in the world um, and to be at a place like base camp going back to that you know if you weren't a part of that community you, you couldn't survive it because there was lots of doing things outside of your job description there was a lot of pushing trucks out of snow banks and fixing diesel generators and cooking and cleaning and and also having hard conversations with kids sitting by a lake um, so it was a very very community oriented place and when you experience those things together there, it adds a whole different level to what growth and healing means than trying to trudge through. I mean, imagine trying to push a truck out of the snow by yourself. <laughs> um, a lot of people would not look at that as part of a treatment program. Um, but when you just look at treatment and addiction as just a human experience, it's, you know, it absolutely all of those things that we face and and face together um it adds impact to the ability to get through those things and what growth through those things really does mean so let's talk about the act of taking values and operationalizing them getting them into practice what advice do you have for leaders or tips that you have based on a reflection on the process things that went really well things that were didn't go so well challenges Mm -hmm. of doing that um what are your thoughts on how to get these off well, the, the wall and into the that? importance of it actually was highlighted for me once at, at a conference and engaging in an activity around values um, where it essentially just showed the importance of if you have a set of values, those values need to live and breathe from the top of the food chain all the way down to the bottom Um if there's any discrepancy at one of those points, it absolutely will be felt. I mean, we are particularly in leadership behaving around a set of values. So if there is misalignment to what you want, the ultimate goal of the frontline, the program being at the leadership level, that will absolutely be felt at the frontline and young person level. And But the, the, the visual and the physical engagement in that activity really shifted it for me. Um, it was a bit of a, oh... I know this is important, but let's actually do this. Um, We spent a lot of time flushing out the value statements that we've been talking about today. Um, As you said, they are actions. Um, But the next step is then to say, okay, if this is the action, how do we actually act out that action? Um, And we, we built a mission statement around that. So vision and mission, which everyone will be like, oh, yeah, we know what vision and mission is. Um, but when you actually have a conversation around them and really flush out uh, what those pieces mean and how you do them consistently as a staff team, uh, it's very different than just reading them in a policy manual and saying, oh, yeah, I get that. That makes mm-hmm. sense. 
because the conversation and the process around talking about those actions flushes out. Well, I, I thought that meant that I thought that meant that. So it's really getting to a common ground. And then the next step for me was, okay, so, you know, we've basically have potentially just done what other people maybe do in a boardroom. Now we have statements for vision and mission. Um, but the next step is then to how do these live and breathe? So they're not just living on the wall or in a policy manual. Um, and they need to become at the forefront of everything that we do. And so we talked about the vision and mission living on staff meeting agendas. We, we discussed as a, as a team yourself and Kelly and I, as well as with the larger team about where the conversations is, if this is what we say we, we do where, I mean, obviously this is happening all the time because we're acting all the time out the program, but where are those pinnacle points of the day where conversations um, can be structured around this language and explicitly be visible mm-hmm. as a, as a handrail to have those conversations. Um, and so in, in, at base camp, it was around shift exchanges, um, which was a document. So having that those statements identified on that document, case conferences that were happening weekly to have that language actually structured in to guide the conversation. And then I think from there it was say to say, okay, great, that these statements are now structuring our conversations. Um, and, and that's fine, but if we're human, so we're going to get on tangents and we're going to not be aligned to the structure of this. So then it's to have some accountability and also to recognize when things are going well. Um, so one of the things that really stood out for me about that activity was, okay, well, we have set up a structure to align our values for young people and their journey and really recognizing the growth and healing they're doing. And so if we're really going to do this, then we really need to do it for everybody. And so we also need to uh, recognize staff for the growth and healing that they're doing. You know, so after we have worked through the statements and then creating some structure around that and some, some feedback, then we also need to recognize the staff team. And so creating some processes around that so that, it's living and breathing through staff and the program. Yeah, I think of probably the most pivotal shift that I can point to for the staff team, being able to see the values come off the wall and come alive was at staff meetings where we basically, you basically threw out the agenda and said, okay, what's most important here? If we're going to come together once a month for an entire day, what should we be talking about? What should we be talking about our values? We should be using them as a filter to reflect yeah. on the work. Um, so kind of the the evolution of that became a a debrief essentially through the lens of the values and so you know and ownership from the staff team somebody would grab a whiteboard marker and then go up to the whiteboard and they'd ask the team where did we see a whole person in the Mm -hmm. last month since the last time we talked and how did we do that and Mm -hmm. what difference did it make for them in their treatment right and with believing in growth and inviting healing and, and those actually walking through them and very concretely identifying the impact that they had on the treatment experience for young people, I think was a, was a pivotal shift really started to become a mindset for people to do the work through Absolutely. what you want your values to do, right. To be that filter. I have to just add something quickly. I mean, we joked about Kelly and his statements always, uh, 
living in our brain. And all I could think about when you were talking and just now is that what we focus on grows. And he would say that mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And so every day. every day. So for me, it's like, if I think why it made an impact on, on how our staff meetings went and the ability to focus on our values is because we made a choice and a decision to focus on our values. So if we are going to make that choice, that will then grow because we, we were intentional about structuring it into absolutely everything that could guide conversation around our young people so that we were living and breathing our values. And it really did gain momentum because that's what we were focusing on. Um, so I just had to add that little bit, but for, for recognizing staff, I mean, it became, I think seeing the impact on young people on small bits of growth that they, that they've done and being recognized for that and recognizing that, well, this is human work. This isn't about young people and staff. This is about being a community. And um, so at staff meetings, can we implement a way to around the same values to honor staff for the, the growth and the work that they are also doing to create a community that can be trusted and um, supported. And so we came up with a process. I, I, I believe it initially started where it came from leadership and eventually that, that morphed um, into everybody being able to honor each other, um, that it wasn't just about leadership recognizing the efforts of people. It was that we all need to recognize the efforts of each other. Um, and it, and taking out the hierarchical piece of it really allowed the staff community to be a staff community and not, um, about leadership and frontline staff. And, and so the process was to take the value statements and what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, I want to say improvise. It was never planned. And so it was just at the end of the staff meeting was to um, set out the broad cloth colors of each value that we identified. And we sort of gave a couple minutes of silence for anyone to decide that they wanted to honor and recognize somebody for seeing whole people, believing in growth, inviting healing, trusting in community or belonging, mastery, independence and generosity. And once people had who they wanted to celebrate, then the person, one person would start and we would give that person space to honor a staff member. And then we would pass that broadcloth around and each person around the circle would say one word that they really comes to mind for that particular value in how that person is seen. And that person sits there and gets to absorb and witness all of the great things that people think about them for for that particular value statement. And we would do that for each value statement. So four staff would be recognized or honored at a staff meeting. And we would close our staff meetings that way. And they would always run long. They would always run long (laughs) because no one would stick to one word. So my audio went kind of crappy here in the recording. So I'm just going to give you some thoughts on that. Um, Really, it comes down to the felt sense of values. 
can we feel them? Um, not just abstractly theorize about them or see them again in the policy manual, but to live and breathe them and to have that felt sense. And then we started to talk a little bit about celebration. And, you know, values are often used for making hard decisions, but they're just as effective to celebrate great work and to enjoy the successes and the wins through our values through the things that are most important. So here's Lisa's thoughts on celebrating uh, ourselves and our colleagues. A hundred percent, because the pat on the back is completely different than me saying, I honor and value you in this way. I mean, that I, I get like, you, you know me, but other people may not hear it, but I get quivery in the voice saying that because it that has that specific and we live our day-to-day lives living our personal values. So when you are working in a place where those align and you're being valued at that, at the, the core, um, our values are the core of who we are, that has massive impact on people than me just patting you on the back and saying, good job, Jeff. You know, maybe that's, maybe that sums it up and maybe that's a good place for us to wrap up our conversation is just mm-hmm. around um, kind of meaning and meaningfulness and that we understand the meaning that we have for other people through our impact and through a, through a value, like through a lens of, of our values. Um, so not to put you on the spot, but what's, what is Basecamp and the experience out there, you know, for a long period of time, what does that mean to you? And what are you taking forward um, with you into, into life, into parenting, into work, into relationships? That's not a loaded question, question to end with or what? Oh, um, yes. Well, base camp, I mean, I will, I will not be the same person that I was when I started working there. That's for sure. And I think it's because I have 100% felt each of those value statements. Um, being seen as a whole person, the growth that I did as a, as an individual, but also as a professional, um, I will not get anywhere else. Um, the healing and I mean the, the community of people, the experience of working alongside all the people that I got to work alongside and witness their, their growth. I mean, that absolutely changes it. You can't, you can't work in a place that honors uh, people and values and not be changed by it, including uh, especially the young people that also push you to do the work and to show up and be accountable. Um, that changes you. Those values, you know, when I think about being a parent and just a human being in this world, um, I will 100%, you know, those values live in my bones. Like I, I can't look at a person without, without seeing a whole person, um, without looking at people and recognizing that we all need to grow. You know, it's, it's life isn't just easy. And, and can I show up and hold space for my kids, for my husband, for my friends, um, the rest of my family, you know, I'm on mat leave right now. I'm going to be getting back into the workforce in a completely different job. So I say, watch out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, there's, there's so much to say and just not enough, you know, and also no words to, to speak to the impact, but I am extremely grateful for the people that I got to experience that place with and extremely grateful for the person that I've, that I've become because of, uh, all the, all the growth and yeah, that I was able to do there. And I will definitely echo Lisa's sentiment of gratitude. Um, I'm especially grateful for her. Um, she was a pivotal partner in the journey that I was on as, uh, as a youth worker and a shift supervisor. And, you know, we kind of walked through that program in a lot of ways together and, being able to share a journey like that, either professionally and personally, with people who share the same values that you do and the same vision that you have, well, that sounds like a powerful community to me. So a big thank you to Lisa Arsenault for taking time out of her busy life as a mom to chat with us about values in action. And I hope you got some great nuggets out of this that you can go to your team and say, okay, let's really do this. Let's take them off the wall and let's get them into our practice. Cause that's the second essential ingredient of powerful communities. And if we're going to be a part of a community, well, it might as well be a powerful one. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As usual, if you can drop us a rating or a review on iTunes or Podbean or anywhere else that you get your podcast from, it helps us reach a wider audience and have a bigger impact in the world, which is really what this podcast is all about. And again, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week.